Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Lord God, we submit ourselves to the authority and to the sufficiency of your holy word in our lives. Asking that your spirit would would open our eyes and, and soften our hearts. We ask that you would show us Jesus, that you would teach us the gospel, and that you would make us your people. For the sake of communicating the goodness and glory of your holy name, we pray. Amen. So, <laughs> the year 2020. Pretty crazy, huh? It's been a weird one. It's been a really weird one. It's been a really weird and frustrating and disruptive and weird and frustrating and disruptive and weird and frustrating. I'm just kidding. It's like we're stuck in a loop. I think a lot of us are feeling kind of like that. Like 2020 is already the longest year ever. And we're asking questions like, what was that? And what's next? And what was that? So after we've experienced the reverberations of coronavirus and, and cries, of, cries of millions are dying, well, not exactly millions, and, and don't wear masks, actually do wear masks, and it spreads on surfaces, and just kidding. And after we've experiencing the, experienced together the flattening of the curve and quarantine and working from home and schooling from home and, and the tragic things like death of over 100,000 Americans and and then when you add in the killing of George Floyd and the resulting protests and Black Lives Matter and a renewed national focus on racism and riots and looting and, and some lawlessness. And then, of course, the resulting farce of childish power plays and political virtue signaling and calls to defund law enforcement. And do I even need to mention the total dumpster fire that is the news and our social media feeds? After all these things and, and feeling every emotion under the sun multiple times per day for about three months in a row and feeling like we've been hit by a freight train, we're all wondering what to make of things. And I want to propose today that there are a couple really important questions we need to be asking that can make all the difference as to whether we are courageously prepared for an unknown future ahead and those questions aren't, what was that, <laughs> and what's next? The questions are, can I know God, and how can I know him? Can I know God, and how can I know him? Now, I recognize that these two questions may not seem at first glance. They may not seem like great follow-up questions for a world that feels like it's imploding, but contrary to our sinful human impulse, 
to fix everything with, with worldly means and hashtags and new laws and different politicians. Knowing God and being more keenly aware of his presence and having a greater understanding of his eternal character and nature, those are the best possible remedy, not only for your fears, but also, frankly, for this current cultural moment. Because, friends, seeing and savoring who God is resets the priorities of our hearts, and it lifts our heads to see beyond today, to recognize that God is real, that he is still on his throne, and that none of this surprises him. It's not beyond him. It doesn't worry him, and it doesn't throw off his purposes. In a cultural moment that's filled with fear and anxiety and worry and pain, who God is is greater than what evil does. This is a lesson I hope we take away from this series about the attributes of God. Who he is is greater than what evil does. What a great lesson for us right now. And today I want us to see three things from the scriptures about what we can know about God, about his knowability. And the first thing is this. If we are to know God, he must reveal himself to us. If we're to know him, he must reveal himself to us. You see, friends, because of our sin that obscures our ability to see reality, if we are to know God, he must reveal himself to us. According to the Apostle Paul in Romans, the first chapter, verses 18 through 23, our sin problem is such that God must reveal himself to us in order for us to know him. Jump in with me at Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18. It says this, Apostle Paul speaking here. He says, for the wrath of God, meaning the wrath of God against sin and evil, for the wrath of God is revealed, which is in the passive, meaning that it carries a connotation of being acted upon by something or someone else, in this case, God. So in effect, think about this, verse 18 begins like, like this by saying, for the wrath of God is being revealed in the world, notice this, notice the trajectory here, from heaven from God against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, by their sin, they suppress, they press down, ignore and hide the truth about God. So what Paul's saying here is that humanity, mankind, has a knowledge of God by nature, by design, from, from what we see around us, also, Ecclesiastes 3 says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. And the next verse makes this clear as well. So Paul's making the point that we suppress this knowledge of God that we see around us, that we have by design. We hide and we push down that knowledge because of our sin that keeps us from seeing God rightly. Look at verse 19. He says, for what can be known about God, look at this here, is plain to them. Why? Because God has shown it to them. God has revealed some of his own character and nature 
and power in the natural world as creator of the world. He reiterates this point in verse 20. He says, for his invisible attributes, God's unseen attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So God has to reveal himself to us if we are to know him because our sin obscures our ability to see God for who he really is apart from him revealing himself, apart from that revelation of himself to us. He says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, they've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So verse 20, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And here's the sin-obscuring reality thing again. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, claiming our own wisdom without God means that we will end up worshiping everything other than God because of our sin, because of our pride, which is why God must reveal himself to us. So if we are to know God, he must reveal himself to us. Second thing the scriptures teach us about knowing God here is that we can never understand God fully. Now, at first, this sounds a little bit like a bad thing, but it's actually an amazingly wonderful thing about God to say we can never understand him fully. Psalm 145, verse 3 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And look at this. And his greatness is unsearchable. He's so great that you cannot search out the depths of his greatness. You'll never get to the bottom of it. It's why his, his greatness, as the psalmist says here, is worthy of praise. Psalm 147.5 says, God's understanding is beyond measure, meaning the extent of God's knowledge and his understanding. What God knows is immeasurable. So you can't get to the bottom of his greatness and you can't measure his knowledge and understanding. In other words, this is who he is in his essential character and nature. 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, verses 10 to 12, Paul says, he's so great that no one comprehends the things of God except the Spirit of God. Like, only God can understand what he understands. In Romans 11, in verse 33, this is a conclusion to a long argument that Paul's been making about how awesome God's plan to save really is. Paul sings out, in chapter 11, verse 33, he sings out in praise and says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable 
are his judgments and how inscrutable, how beyond us are his ways. Now this truth that we, we cannot know God's character and nature fully, it sounds at first like a letdown. But think about it. It's actually a really wonderful truth about the greatness of God's essential character and nature. Just think about it. Is a being who can be fully comprehended and understood as powerful enough to create the world worthy of our worship? Only if he's God. Is a being that's not powerful enough to create the world or in, in the essential character and nature not perfect? Is that, is that kind of being worthy of our worship? No. But not only that, this truth about not getting to the bottom fully of God, it means that contrary to how we often think about heaven, like you've heard people say, ah, oh, heaven, I mean, I don't want to sit around all day and just strum harps and sing about God, right? Like people complain about what heaven might be like in those ways. Listen, we will never know too much about God. We will never run out of amazing things to say about him. We will never run out of so many things that we'll be able to say about his goodness and his power and his mercy to us. The amazing ways in which he has made all of creation happen in a way that means we get to know him. We'll never run out of things to say about him or get to the bottom of the truly mind-blowing truths about him. In other words, we will never, ever, from now to eternity, we'll never get tired of delighting in the ongoing discovery of his beauty and his excellencies and his immeasurable worth. God is infinite, and we will never know him fully. And yet, our partial understanding of him will be more than enough, more than satisfactory, because he's that good, and there's always more to learn. So the scriptures teach, knowing God requires him revealing himself to us because of our sin, and that we can never understand him fully, but they also teach that nonetheless, even with those things, we can actually know God truly and personally. Despite our sin, despite not being able to know God truly and fully, despite not being able to know him unless he reveals himself to us, we can actually still know him truly and personally. This is perhaps the most amazing truth. Even though our sin keeps us from seeing him rightly and accurately, and even though we can never understand him fully, we can still know him in a true and personal way that saves. Think about it like this. It's pretty simple, really. Because the Bible is God's word, because this book is God's word, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us it's breathed out by God. So because the Bible is God's word, everything the Bible tells us about him is true. It's trustworthy. Now, I know for many of us this sounds like Duh, I've been hearing about that my whole life. But don't gloss over this incredibly important idea. 
Because the Bible is God's word and it's from him and he spoke it through the spirit. 2 Peter 1.21 says that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So because the Bible comes from God himself, everything that it says about him is true. So when you read this book. You are reading about the essential character and nature of the God of the universe whose holiness and power created the entire world out of the truth of who he is. And how do we know? Because he tells us in his word. Genesis 1 tells us that God created the universe with a word. That's power. Genesis 12 promises that God will be the faithful source of blessing the nations regardless, despite Abram wandering. Genesis 18 says that nothing is too hard for God. Psalm 12 tells us that the words of the Lord are completely pure. Psalm 25 tells us that God is is good and he's upright. Zephaniah 3 says that God is mighty to save. Matthew 10 says that his knowledge extends to numbering the hairs on our heads. 1 John tells us that God is love, that God is light, that God is spirit. Romans 3 tells us that God is just and he is righteous. And here's the truly crazy and frankly the beautiful part of all this. We can know this God truly and personally, in a way that saves and in a way that delights our hearts to know him. This is why we're studying his attributes throughout the summer, friends, because it helps us get our our hearts and our heads in the right place to see the world, to see us, to see him rightly, so that we can delight in who he is. Listen again to Jeremiah 9 that we read before. Listen to Jeremiah 9 for how it speaks of how the truly wise and mighty and rich in the world, how they understand and know God's character and nature. It says this, Thus says the Lord, God speaking here, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Verse 24, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. That I'm the Lord who executes in ways that, that fit, that form with, that conform to his character and nature. And he finishes up this passage by saying, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. After listing all these ways that the man who is mighty and rich and and well-known and that has power delights in God, he ends up by saying, I delight in these things too. Friends, here's why knowing God matters. The source of our joy and our delight And our sense of importance and worth and value, they do not come from us, and they are not measured by our ability or according to our possessions. Our source of joy and delight and our sense of importance and worth and value, they come from the simple fact 
most fundamentally, friends, that we know God. So I want to leave you today with this very simple takeaway question. To what are you paying attention such that it keeps you from knowing God truly and personally in his word? truly and personally in his written word. You can know God through the Bible and trust it so that seeing and savoring him, so that understanding his heart and his character and his nature can reset the priorities of your heart and lift your head to see beyond the world's drama, to recognize that God is real that he is still on his throne, and that none of this surprises him, is beyond him, worries him, or throws off his purposes. In a cultural moment filled with fear and worry and pain, who God is will always be greater than what evil does. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're grateful that you are a God in whom we can trust because you are perfect, and you are good, you are holy, you are altogether righteous in ways that extend far beyond our, beyond our understanding.